Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey, everyone. First of all, we want to thank everybody who's voted for us so far uh, for Best Comedy Podcast. For the Webby Awards, it really means the world to us. Cave Comedy Radio is a completely and totally grassroots operation. It's all DIY, and we're only here because of you guys. But we need to make one last big push in these final days. Voting closes Thursday, April 20th. So if you haven't voted for us already, you can go to our Twitter page, at LP on the left, and follow a link from a pinned tweet to the Webby Award site. Thank you guys so much. Of course, Hell Gain. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? That's so gonna go sad fun. about Alex Jones breaking character, man. He just wants hey. his kids. But weren't you guys That's shocked to find blow. out he had the kids in the first place? <laughs> no, he's fertile. Yeah. No, I'm no, not had them. He had custody of the children yeah, since he, 2015. He's got another yeah. one on the way. He's a provider. <laughs> he's a performer. <laughs> he's a provider and a performer. I, I would guess. say if, he, he, if you could take his kids away, you could definitely one day take my kids away. <laughs> yeah, if it's the same exact true. thing. I will it's say, the though, same exact. his kids, I was debating this back and forth in my mind, but I think his kids are having a great time. Oh, if Alex yeah. Jones is your dad, it might be really fun. I think that he is a good dad. I think that he's a cute man. I think that it's unfair what the wife is doing to him. Yes, he slept with one of his hired employees, Uh which was not wise. Yes, he did break the contract, quote unquote, of marriage. (laughs) But not enough to break character. I guess not. Um, let's see. Are we good to go? We are. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. We got this other guy with us over there in California. It has also been told to me explicitly within my home that I'm not allowed to defend Alex Jones. Good. My relationship will suffer. I am not allowed to say that it's unfair what's happening to him. I Um, will say I can't defend him as a political sage, but as a performance artist, I mean, this guy's better than Charlie Chaplin. He's amazing. I mean, you take a mime and you start waterboarding a mime. I don't care how many bouffant classes he's taken. He's going to start screaming unless he's the best mime there's ever been. But what does the mime say? That's what I want to know. I'm not in the box anymore. Bust it out. Well, I guess. Um, Also, I did predict last night at it is it is my beautiful girlfriend, Natalie Jean's birthday today. Mm, Um, And last night at dinner, I did predict that the Facebook killer would commit suicide. 
and I want to get points for that. <laughs> what? Did he actually do that? He did, yeah. but come did on, he do man. It on that Snapchat? is that is such a safe bet. They That's... all commit suicide. I didn't yep. know that. Anyway, we have to get on to Eileen Warnos <laughs> part two. I that was that was new information for me. I'm, Henry Zabrowski is breaking news. Yeah. This is incredible. I made him do it with my mind bullet. <laughs> Good did you get Trump to release his taxes at your march? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, we, we got were soundly ignored. <laughs> All right, so we followed up. Last episode, we talked about her drifter lifestyle. Of mm-hmm. course, Eileen Warnos, and now we're gonna get deeper into the uh, the nitty gritty. I guess. Yeah, we're getting Dude. get. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into the actual murders themselves. Now, when we last left Eileen, the drifter lifestyle had finally caught up to her. Her earning power as a prostitute had diminished along with her looks and her demeanor, and her girlfriend, Ty, was on her way out as well. Mm. And if Ty left, then the only person, not only who Eileen loved, but possibly the only person who ever truly loved Eileen would be gone forever. You I mean think the- Ty let Lee know that very often. Yeah. I think that that's how she kind of, they, they were tethered to each other, and it's a weird codependent thing, and Ty was just taking whatever money Eileen was bringing home. Well, I think we also have to take into account that we don't know for sure the lead singer of Foghat didn't fall in love with her. <laughs> Eileen and Man. the lead singer of Foghat could have been together forever. <laughs> No, we don't know if Eileen went out looking to kill for money specifically on the night of November 24th, 1989. What we do know is that Eileen was stressed. And if we know anything about serial killers, it's usually stress that drives them to their first kill. Hmm. Now, if only these serial killers knew that stress itself was a silent killer (laughs) and that they could use stress as a weapon against their victims, but making them nervous like, trying to pick out a sandwich at the sandwich store. (laughs) Choose, 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 and wait till they have a fucking stroke. So it's like carbon monoxide. (laughs) Stress, the silent killer. And I don't think you could use carbon monoxide, I guess, if you want to do the long con. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, Mm -hmm. you can kill people with carbon monoxide in a night. Remember Weird Al's parents? Oh, jeez, yeah. Marcus. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to keep yourself. Like, if you feel like you're going to come too fast when you're making love, mm-hmm. think of Weird Al's parents. Yeah, <laughs> or carbon monoxide poisoning. But can you imagine, like, uh, for example, Isaiah Thomas, the great basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, he has a son. He and His sister passed away before the NBA playoffs. Aww. But he gets to go play basketball, and he was kind of, like, redeeming. But if you're Weird Al, you just got to put on a fat suit. <laughs> And he did. I know he did. He put on a great show. The day is go out and do a nine-minute version of Yoda to the tune of Lola and and bring it. He is the best. And he did. He's fantastic. Now, we also don't know exactly how things went down that first time during the murder as Eileen herself has given multiple different accounts of what actually happened that night. But we're going to start with the first confession she made to cops following her arrest. On the night in question, Richard Mallory, the 51-year-old owner of a Clearwater Electronics Repair Shop, picked up Eileen around 10.30 p.m. as she was hitching on I-4 heading towards Daytona. And after picking her up, Mallory cracked open a bottle of vodka and smoked a joint while Eileen downed a sixer of beer. Hmm. They arrived in Daytona around midnight, but as neither were ready to end the night just yet, they pulled over to an out-of-the-way area where they continued talking and drinking. So... They were driving the whole time. He slammed the bottle and she slammed the six beers. This story is nothing but drunk driving wall to wall. (laughs) This is the the drunk drivers, the ultimate drunk driving (laughs) cautionary tape. (laughs) 
You imagine if they did like what is that gumball derby, whatever the hell that thing is. <laughs> the hell's gumball derby? Remember that? They they travel all around. Anyway, forget about it. <laughs> what? The gumball, the great is gumball race. Rascals again? Oh my god! You gotta stop with this little rascals business. They're funny kids. <laughs> Technically, really sad orphans, but funny kids. They're orphans. I understand. <laughs> Eventually, Eileen got around to her "help me make some money" pitch, and Mallory agreed. Although it would take him until 5 a.m. to make his move. So you think about maybe getting into acquiring land? <laughs> That's a good way to make money. I know it's a good sensible way to make money is you got to get into computers. <laughs> Have you heard of that? So, yeah, there's a there's C C+. Plus. It's a programming language. I could teach you or you could suck dick. <laughs> well, once Mallory made his move, Eileen got naked and suggested Mallory do the same. Now, Mallory was known to be a generally paranoid person, especially after getting high and guzzling vodka all night. Mm -hmm. And he said he would prefer to just unzip his pants rather than get fully nude. Listen, I respect you and I respect your style. I that's why I picked you up. I saw you. I, I was figured like we could connect. Thing is, I only pull the tip out because I don't want road gremlins to eat my balls. Not, and that's not the weed talking. That is literally a story my grandmother used to tell me about how she met my grandfather. Not a story not dissimilar to what we're going through right now. Now, what is a road gremlin exactly? Uh, it's actually someone uh, that looks just like you, Ali. <laughs> Strange. Well, Eileen was against it, saying there was no way he was going to zipper fuck her, in oh, her words. Is that a term? I get in, in Eileen's world, zipper fuck is a term. I guess these it truckers. She had a whole glossary. Her <laughs> yeah. whole life was like a, a, a dick sucking, hitchhiking version of Dune. Yeah, there, I know there's an urban dictionary. I think we got to get a drifter dictionary out there. Yeah. Uh, just different all the different words for like how you could get the bottom of your feet so hard they become like cleats yes become like tires themselves i guess now the argument got heated and eileen suddenly realized she said that he was about to sexually assault her or worse she said she got out of the car still naked reached back through the open window to grab her 22 pistol still inside. Mallory grabbed at the bag, which confirmed to Eileen that he had nefarious intentions. Mm. Once she jerked the bag free, she pulled out her pistol and shot Mallory in the chest. Mm. And Mallory got out of the car and tried to run away, but Eileen shot him a second time, and when Mallory fell to the ground, she pumped two more bullets into his body. And Eileen sat there for about 15 minutes as she watched Mallory bleed out, still naked mm. this entire time. And after he finally died, she went through his pockets, took all his money, and dragged the corpse away from the murder site, covering it with some carpet she found. So Couple of things here. Very similar to John Wayne Gacy's first kill mm -hmm. in terms of, and I, and I actually believe that there is, the, the gray area here is that he definitely did get handsy, or we're going to learn a little bit more about Richard Mallory. We're going to see why. Uh, but also the nude thing is about making sure that this shit can't happen. She wants him to get naked and her to get naked so that she because she imagines and probably correctly assumes that it's more difficult for a dude to pull shit if he's totally naked. Oh, but yeah. if we've learned anything from Eastern promises, that's not true. <laughs> so this would now this was not at all premeditated. We don't know. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we really do, we don't know. Yeah. So Eileen got back into his Cadillac, drove it down the road, got dressed, and finished what beer she had left before going back to the hotel where she and Ty were staying at the time. That's the first version. 
there are actually about three or four. Ooh, it's like the ending of Clue. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the second version of the story, told 13 months later during the murder trial of Richard Mallory, and the same one featured in the movie Monster, was much more harrowing and much different. In the confession, it sounds like a drunken argument that ended in murder. She wanted to do it one way, he wanted to do it another. Mm. Things got heated, possibly dangerous, and Eileen reacted, wrongly or not. And it very well could have gone down like this. After all, Eileen Wernos would not be anywhere near the first serial killer to stumble into their first kill. A lot of times, serial killers lose control in the moment, and once that first kill is over and done with, something clicks in their brains, and the floodgates are open. Mm. Because now they were, they pop the top, and once you pop the top, the fun don't stop. You can't just start now, like, not killing. Now you actually got the rush. It's the same thing with Jeffrey Dahmer was the same way. Again, John Wayne Gacy was the same exact way. They got that first kill, and now it's just like, woo-woo. It's Hold like on. getting into the pool when it's really cold. Hold <laughs> on a second. So you're equating serial killers, multiple mur- murdering multiple people to, to Pringles. Not the first time in, he's done that. In this scenario... In terms of us as three friends sitting down, talking, recording a comedy podcast. If I was in front of a judge defending myself (laughs) for various crimes. Hmm. I think that's a really good defense. If I was her defense attorney, I would have brought a a can of sour cream and onion Pringles and popped the top. And asked the (laughs) judge to stop. Can you stop, judge? Well, at the end of the day, what are we but performance artists? Oh. No. (laughs) No. I am real. I am too real. Well, I mean, really. Really, that's the question that we ask again and again when these scenarios happen. If that accident had not have happened, if that person had not have accidentally killed someone and lost control in that moment, would they have ever become a serial killer? Yeah. But whether she planned to kill that night or not, the version Eileen told in the confession is a little more gray in order to really sell her self-defense story with Mallory and by extension, every other murder to come afterwards Wernos had to make it a lot more black and white. Mm. During the trial, Aileen told the story pretty much the same up until the argument. But she said that instead of her getting out of the car and shooting him, he turned much more aggressive, managed to tie her wrist to the steering wheel, and anally raped her. She said he then got dressed and tied a cord around her neck, pulling on it, and Aileen, thinking fast said she grabbed her bag, took out her gun, and shot him, then finished the job with a few more shots. And that's the version we see in Monster. That's the one yes. in the movie Monster with uh, Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. That's the scene that shows us uh, of Eileen Wernos getting pushed over the edge that gives her the motivation uh, to become a serial killer. Yeah, it kind of paints her in a very sympathetic light. Absolutely. It's a very intense origin story. It's this idea of she, it, she and, it, and it does completely pinion, pinion her against being like, I did what I had to do. Like, right. I, I, was, I was defending myself, which is also uh, the problem then is rationalizing in that way also is a very distinct symptom of being a psychopath right where nothing's your fault and you wonder if john candy's character in the great outdoors (laughs) didn't finish the grizzle if john candy would have eaten himself to death right right pop the top fun don't stop (laughs) fun don't stop now i want pringles and grizzle Mm. i like the grizzle i actually don't understand what the problem was with the grizzle yeah you eat it first don't you yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah this makes for great motivation for a movie, and it makes for a right. very sympathetic character in Eileen Wernos. But the evidence, plus the testimony of Ty Moore, 
points more towards the first scenario. First of all, the driver's side seat was covered with blood as if the victim had been sitting there when he was shot, and the trajectory of one of the bullets indicates that he was sitting down when the bullets were fired. And when Eileen showed up the day after the murder to the hotel room where she and Ty were staying, Ty remembered that Eileen had no marks or bruises whatsoever and had mentioned nothing about an attempted rape. Hmm. And the reason why Ty remembered that day so well was because Eileen had mentioned the murder, flatly telling her, I killed a guy today. And Ty- Yeah. Did he not Lego your ego? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of food references in this episode. Yeah. yeah do Weird Al started it. Weird Al did this. <laughs> it was also an eventful day because before Eileen told her about the murder, she had showed up with just enough cash to move into that new apartment they'd been eyeing. Ty showed up with, uh, with enough cash? Eileen did. Eileen did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you talk about motivation, you know, you we don't really know if she went out there to kill that night. Right. But we do know that her and Ty have been looking at this new apartment to get out of the motel that they were staying in. And we also mm. know that they had just gotten into that big fight over the Thanksgiving incident that we had mentioned on the last episode. With the hungry man meals. With the, <laughs> with the, the hungry, hungry woman, woman meals. The hungry person meals. The people without <laughs> right. food in their stomach <laughs> meals. Now, it's important to note that Ty, more than anyone, is complicit in this case. Mm. Over the next year, Eileen would show up again and again with new cars she had, quote-unquote, borrowed from a friend, along with mysterious cash and various things that obviously belonged to other people. And Ty Mm. never questioned any of it and never went to the police. And Ty was not afraid of Eileen. They got into fights, and from what I can surmise, Ty gave just as good as she got. She was definitely not the wilting flower portrayed by Christina Ricci in Monster. Okay. No, she looked like Buzz from Home Alone. <laughs> well, he was actually not as bad as that movie made him out to be. Yeah, you're defending Buzz? A little bit. Why? Whoa, uh, that is alternative history that I do not – I'm not going to be a part of this. No. I can't be a part of the uh, the alternative reasoning behind Buzz from Home Alone. No, if you're Kevin, toughen up. Play with Buzz. Go in the back. Revisionist history. That's the first sign of fascism. <laughs> no. Bugs. Bugs. Uh, bu- Buzz love bugs. Kevin but- should have liked bugs. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a bug guy. I was not a bug guy either. I would not have liked Buzz. But Kevin could I don't could've... think tarantulas are cute. No, they're not cute. I do. I do. I think you they're You do wonderful. think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big spider guy. Oof. Oof. Well, yeah, you're a human cactus. <laughs> Good point. No, the reality is that both Eileen and Ty were terrible people. Yeah, Eileen was a drifter who killed for money and power, and Ty reaped what little benefits were to be had while saying nothing to anyone about the murders. And they weren't terrible like in uh, all the people in Seinfeld are terrible. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were truly both criminals. Yeah. Right. I mean, all the people of Seinfeld did end up in jail. They did for laughing at the fat guy getting mugged. Yeah. I didn't like that ending very much. <laughs> Nobody did. It was controversial. Okay. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. 
All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do, and the memories keep cycling, and I get emotional, and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy, and that is not sad. That is celebratory, so you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and... I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Now, as far as Mallory went, the murder victim, much has been made about his past. Mm -hmm. And it must be acknowledged that Mallory was by no means a saint, as was the argument that has been made in favor of Eileen's trial story. 
When Mallory was 19, he was arrested for sexual assault after breaking into a woman's house and groping her. He did four years in prison and was registered as a defective delinquent for another 10. So this guy really wasn't a good person. I mean, obviously, no. he was slamming vodka, getting stoned and driving. I mean, yeah. But yeah. No, he, he I was, mean, that's just him getting relaxed. That's yeah. not his problem. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And we understand that this is extremely sensitive stuff here. But. Mallory did undergo intensive therapy for his atrocious behavior and by all accounts seemed to overcome it after he did his time. He was a well-known John in his area of Florida, but the local prostitutes who regularly serviced him knew him by name and none reported any abusive behavior by Mallory before or after he was murdered. In other words, I'm, it's complicated. It kind of like that Alec Baldwin, Meryl Streep movie, It's Complicated. It is like that. <laughs> You're right. It that, is complicated. What do women want? <laughs> better ask Mel Gibson. What about Barb? <laughs> what about Barb? Now, it is possible that the night Eileen Wernos killed him, something snapped inside Richard Mallory, and he did indeed commit rape, which resulted in his death. But the evidence and the testimony of Ty points strongly in the other direction. And in fact, there is even a third version of that story told again by Eileen herself in a letter she wrote to Don. Here, once again, is Jackie Zabrowski as Eileen Wernos. It was November 24th, 1989. 10.30 at night in the midst of a slight drizzle. Hitchhiking on I-4, heading towards Daytona, and in one set frame of mind, bent with revenge and set to kill. So Cadillac pulled over to give me a ride with Richard Mallory inside. Mixed drinks and pot were offered only for me to refuse and continue, as planned, in this pure hatred I've harbored for years. Yet he himself intensified that hatred when he mentioned along the way a dislike for various women with a desire to kill as well his ex-wife and kid. So with that, the fire was fueled. So I tried to sway him off the road with sex, but much to my surprise, he wasn't interested. But once apart, that was it. He didn't have a chance to do a thing. The gun was pulled and he was instantly shot numerous times. And so, as you can see with the truth being before you here, this was no self-defense. It seems how all this came about and into play was when I was lied through my skin of my teeth a good 57 times to self-defense throughout the confessions. Yet I'm here to tell the world and all of you across the board into eternity that none were in self-defense, but rightfully convicted under the first degree. I mean, that is what you complain about when you're drinking vodka, getting stoned, and driving. <laughs> you complain about your ex-wife and your kid. Yeah. What do you think? Does that seem the most accurate story to you? I mean, it's tough to tell, but these were the ones... I would assume the final story is the closest to the truth, because why would she have a reason to lie? Honestly, I think the, the confession is the closest to the truth. Uh, I, I That one, to me, uh, fits into the serial killer profile and fits into the evolution of a serial killer from beginning to end the best. And it fits I into Eileen Wernus. And it fits into her profile uh, the most. I think there was some sort of confrontation with Richard Mallory, mm. which resulted in her thinking that Richard Mallory was going to hurt her. Maybe he was, uh, but there definitely was a confrontation 
emotion that sparked something in her, uh, which led to that first murder. It's the one that fits the best. So this well, last, I bet you, to yeah. be honest, he said shitty shit. Yeah, he said something bad. We're in the car. He's getting, they're getting mad. They got into an argument for a reason. He's sitting there talking shit, and I don't think Mallory was a good dude either. No, like, I don't think necessarily comes down to it. But she, I don't know if she had it in mind to kill specifically that night it seemed like it was just something kind of set off and then once it again you know i'm not going to do the pringles thing again (laughs) that's good that's good but that would make sense if he was talking trash about ladies and stuff like that yeah you know or she went out there uh that night to kill so she could get money for a new apartment because uh ty was leaving her the eileen wernos case i mean there's no easy answers in this one right uh it's uh, this this is among the most complicated cases that we've ever covered on the show Hmm. again because it's all drifter stories. Yeah. It's all drifter stories. And she also fell in love with the idea of herself being a hero towards the end of her time in jail, especially when she started writing letters because she got so much validation. Like she kept saying she would watch the news and see people like holding signs of her, like calling her a liberator and all this shit. And she loved that. Oh, so sure. she just leaned in. And same thing with Charles Manson with the guru shit. As soon as they started calling him a guru, he loved that idea originally because it made him feel good. It made him feel strong. And then he didn't realize, like, oh, man, now I'm actually in trouble. I'm not a good lawyer for myself. You know what I mean? Like, right. and all of a sudden, you like, what? He's, he's caught. Yep. Now, regardless of what really happened that night, it was only the beginning of Eileen Wernos's killing spree. It would take another six months before Eileen would strike again, but this falls right in line with serial killer behavior. Most serial killers wait a while between the first and second kill as the rush they feel sustains them for a while. Mm. There might even be a little bit of remorse, or at the very least, fear that they might be caught. But the longer they go free and the further away they get from the first murder, Mm -hmm. the stronger the urge to kill again gets. And so on May 19th, 1990, Wernos claimed her second victim. That day, Eileen was picked up by a 43-year-old heavy equipment operator named David Spears. It was Saturday, and David was on his way, as he was every weekend, to visit his wife and three children. Hey, hi there. You look like a fun lady. You want to meet my family? <laughs> my goodness. Can you imagine bringing Eileen Warnos home to meet your family? Ooh. That would Come be Come on, meet my family. You seem fun. You want to play scattergories with me and my family? <laughs> oh, it seems like... Did you get hit by a car earlier today? Because you're covered in skid more. Oh, this is... This is Dookie. (laughs) My goodness. That's not good. David and his wife were divorced, but the two had stayed close. And in fact, David had just bought her a new engagement ring and was planning to ask her to marry him all over again. Double marriage. Double marriage. Ooh, that's good. You got to go buy the hot dog again because you can only propose to women if you put the ring on a hot dog and you're at a Major League Baseball game and she takes a bite of the hot dog and then you'd be like, that's not a pepperoncino. (laughs) That is the ring, baby. It also sounds like attempted manslaughter. (laughs) Well... Don't want to show my hand, but that is how I (laughs) intend to present the ring. Now, this weekend in particular was special as it was also David Spears' daughter's 23rd birthday, Mm. and David was carrying a big wad of cash with him as a present, but he would never make it to the party. For that Saturday, he decided to pick up Eileen Wernos first. This is 1990. When we thought, when I think about drifters, I think 60s, 70s, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a little early, uh, early 80s. 1990, we knew that picking up a hitchhiker wasn't the best idea. Well, that was one of the reasons why later on uh, 
police figured out that it was a woman because nobody picked up hitchhikers anymore. So police uh. figured that if these guys were picking up someone off of the side of the road, uh, then it was probably someone that looked non-threatening. They're woman. not picking me up. That's all I know. <laughs> Six foot seven guy thumbing. No way. And I will say this. In 1990s, it's difficult to hitchhike. But never mind now when you have apps like Divorce Dad Birthday Present Seekers. Where it's just like, <laughs> you could just follow that app and just see where divorced dads are carrying big wads of cash to <laughs> somehow placate their suffering family with, with cash as gifts. Yeah, and then, and the, then you go and rob them. Yeah, and the guy's just like, why did I download this? What would, <laughs> what would possibly be the good outcome of me downloading this ridiculous app? Now, Eileen said in her confession that Spears had picked her up where Route 2 intersects with I-4, which was only about a 30-minute drive from where he was supposed to show up at 2 p.m. that day. Now, David was known to be, if anything else, predictable. It was far outside his character to just not show up without at least calling, and it was even further out of his character to pick up a roadside prostitute just a few miles away from where he was supposed to meet his newly reconciled wife for his daughter's birthday. Right. Yeah, it just seems like really spur of the moment. Sort of like that movie Eat, Pray, Love. And maybe this was him getting his groove back. Yeah, this is his going to Budapest moment. Picking up a drifter. He's just finally just getting out there. Just like Maybe I just do what do what fucking David wants to do today. Yeah. I'm always doing what my quote-unquote divorce wife wants to do. And my quote-unquote daughter for her quote-unquote birthday wants me to do. I've already now this eaten. is David's day. <laughs> I've already eaten. I've already prayed. I guess I got a love. <laughs> and I don't. Maybe it wasn't. But now, but seriously, was this an act of being a good Samaritan? I mean, most of the, uh, and that's that's kind of the I, uh, that's the conceit I think a lot of people have uh, regarding these victims is that most, if not all, were just good Samaritans. Because it is strange to me. But I mean, they didn't have to pick her up. It, it's sort of like it was just. No. No, they really didn't. I mean, because, uh, I mean, it wasn't just uh, these guys that she killed. It's like we said in the last episode, a lot of people just thought she was a woman that had run out of gas or something like that. It's right. like, oh, there's a woman on the side of the road. She must need help. I hate to Because be- that was her MO. Because she, yeah. she said she wouldn't dress like a normal prostitute. The whole point is that she wanted to dress like a mom. She wanted to dress like herself and be comfortable. And she was very proud of that. So I imagine they did think that. But also, I consider myself a, a, a somewhat good Samaritan. And if I'm 20 minutes from home and I've got $500 like in an envelope in my car and I'm trying desperately to patch together a family that is deeply askew. Right. Like and I'm obviously there's a lot riding on this afternoon. Like you can feel the pressure. Sure. I think the last thing I do is pick up a hitchhiker. Yeah, that might be. the. <laughs> but what have you done that makes you a kind of good Samaritan? Yeah, in your entire uh, I, history, <laughs> I gave Just, to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, um, we had a, we had a lovely birthday dinner last night, and I that's only that, railed that, on about the Facebook killer for approximately twelve minutes. Still <laughs> bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh god. Yeah, what you mentioned. Like, by the way, you mentioned the Planned Parenthood thing every single episode. And how much do you actually me give me them? Great. Yeah, and also, did you do that, or did your girlfriend make you do that? I did that out of guilt. <laughs> because your girlfriend made you feel bad. No, out of my own personal guilt. Personal guilt for the things that my, uh, what my penis could have done. I don't know what it does. I don't know what. I'm just desperately trying to be a good person. Desperately.
one and a quarter things. We will give you credit <laughs> for one and a quarter things. Thanks. Yeah, and that quarter is something that you just should have done anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so this poor guy makes this, a horrible this, decision. And- yeah, he makes this terrible decision to pick her up. And according to Eileen, Spears picked her up, drove 80 miles away to a deserted area, and got down to business at 1 in the morning, almost 11 hours after mm. he was due to show up at the party. Werno said they got drunk in the cab of the truck, got naked, and were fooling around when Spears suggested they get into the bed of the truck to stretch out a bit. And when they got there, Werno said Spears got violent, and when Wernos noticed a lead pipe, she hopped out, got her gun, and shot Spears to death. Hmm. And by her own count, Werno shot him three times. When police found him, they discovered it was more like six. Hmm. Eileen left him naked on the side of the road and made off with the $500 meant for David's daughter. But that is one of the strange things about the murder of David Spears. First, why was he naked Mm. if he did not have sex with her? Wernos didn't strip any of the other victims and had no real reason to. Second, an empty condom wrapper was found in David's truck. Maybe he was going to blow up the condom and make it a balloon. <laughs> it's a birthday party. It is a birthday I don't know. Yeah. Well, for me, David Spears really is the most mysterious of all the murders for these two reasons. Mm. Now, the act of ditching his family to hang out with a drifter was out of character, but people do weird shit sometimes. I guess. That seems a little yeah. bit stranger than... I, yes, that is weird shit. Never mind. That is correct. <laughs> it's just, it's a, quite strange. When I was strange. a kid... I did this thing where I was fascinated with raisins, and for some reason, I would shove them as deep as I could up my nose, uh-huh. like up into like like my science areas to the point where my uh, I did that, and then I took a sticker off of a banana and I rolled it up into a tube and I stuffed it so far up my nose that I had to go to the emergency room so they could pull it out with tweezers. So you're equating that <laughs> with Eileen being picked up by a man, shooting him, stripping him naked, and leaving him at the side of the road. People do weird shit. <laughs> One thing. Do we know for a fact you don't have any raisins still stuck up there? Ding, 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 ding. God, it would be so hard little nuggets. The world's healthiest slot machine. Well, one other really weird thing about uh, David Spears when they found his body is that he wasn't completely naked. Hmm. He was still wearing a baseball cap. So she set this scene then. She might have. I mean, how do you keep the baseball hat on? <laughs> I, I mean, what, this is very how confusing. How do you take your shirt off right. but keep the baseball hat on? It's weirder than Unless keeping your was, socks on. Now, you have a button-down shirt with no undershirt, so you just take it off that way. That's how you keep the baseball hat on. But you still, And I always like fucking with a baseball hat on because then I feel like I'm Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Safe. Yeah, yeah, we really don't, we really don't know. Uh, this one is real. This uh, David Spears is is very strange, and it seems somewhat uh, askew from all the rest of them. Yeah, and of course, extremely sad. We all know that. Of course, we're just oh. trying to bring some levity to this horrible story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> not so, that we have to clarify yeah, this. Episode, what is this? Episode three hundred or this something? Two hundred and sixty-seven. Uh, yes. They so know just, by now. Just so you know, <laughs> we're trying to bring levity to these sad stories. So two weeks after. Eileen killed David Spears. She would take the murder count up to three with the murder of Charles Karskadon, a 40-year-old laborer on his way to pick up his fiancée so they could head back to Missouri, where he'd just been hired as a punch press operator. Hmm. For some reason, he decided to pick up Eileen Wernos first. Eileen shot him, she said, in the back seat of his Cadillac. Afterwards, she searched the car and found a forty-five pistol, which she said proved he was planning to kill her. 
Listen, please. Just listen for a second. I know most men who pick you up are going to be bad. They're going to be bad. They're going to be, and I'm going to say, and I don't want to offend you. I don't want to make you upset at all, but not all men. And I don't, I shouldn't even use the term. I'm just really happy that there's no such thing as a thing called Twitter right now, because I'm not trying to apologize all actions. I'm just trying to say that 45 caliber was coming with me to Antiques Roadshow. I was trying to sell it for money because I mistakenly probably think it's worth money because I found it in my garage. <laughs> oh, man, that was the saddest character you've ever done. <laughs> Antiques Roadshow. There's nothing more depressing when they find out it's a knockoff lamp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've had it in our family for 150 years. And they're like, it's worse less than, uh, the, than the wood it sits on. <laughs> so, um, so we're not getting the boat then. <laughs> nope. So we're not going to become a self-driven naval family, I guess. <laughs> not this year, I guess. After finding the gun, Eileen added four more shots to Karskadon's already dead body, dumped it, and covered it with an electric blanket and some grass. Mm. She took the car and the gun, picked up Ty, and the two took the dead man's weapon out to the woods for some target practice. And this Hot. happened again and again. She just showed the shit up. She just showed up. Like, yeah. Hey, I got a new gun, Ty. Won't go out in the woods and shoot it. And Ty's like, yeah, sure. Ty never asked a question, ever. But that's what they – I was reading an article about it, what it said about, like, uh, how relationships last and how psychotherapists know relationships are going to last. And a part of it, the key word is easy. <laughs> and I think yeah. that that's, that's what a part about this here is, like, no arguments. It's just jumping in. Yes, and zip, zap, zap. I love you. But yeah, let's take that gun you found. If all of our significant <laughs> others ended up just coming home randomly with new cars and random guns, you should ask a couple of questions. Yeah. I never question. You might want to ask a few because yeah. you're going to be complicit <laughs> in a series of murders. Mm. <laughs> yes. The electric blanket, that brings me back. That's a 90s blanket. Yeah. And then a bunch of houses burnt down, and they stopped selling them for some reason. That was kind of the dumbest idea of all time. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was, it was a definitely a piece of polyester with a detonator on it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Eileen's next victim came a week later when Peter Seams, a 65-year-old missionary with a car full of Bibles, picked up Eileen in his Pontiac Sunbird near I-95 on his way to visit relatives in Arkansas. Now, Werno said they had mm. planned to have sex on a blanket in the woods, but... Ooh. Oh, yeah, a little sexier. Mm. Rocks underneath that blanket. Yeah. Squirrels everywhere. <laughs> I don't think it is sexy. Not with not, not in this situation. Not, no, not in this situation. I don't know. Outdoor sex, like wood sex, is pretty great. I don't... Yeah. Not, it's just... I like to be indoors. I, like to, I don't I like do. the outside. I don't I do like, like to be indoors. Yeah. But as they were laying out the scene, Eileen said she realized he was about to rape her, so she shot him, left the body where it lay, and took the car. Unfortunately, as Eileen was blast-ass wasted during this murder, she never remembered exactly where she left the body of Peter Seams, and the old man still to this day has never been found. No one stumbled upon this body? Nope. Really? Not not once. And in fact, uh, his was the only murder she wasn't tried for because they never found his body. Really? Mm -hmm. okay. She was only she killed seven. She was only tried for six. Hmm. But Eileen, with four murders now under her belt, had started to get cocky like they all do. Unlike every other time where she dumped the car after a day or two, she took a shine to the Pontiac Sunburn and decided to keep it a little longer. And that's where I think Lee is the most wrong. 
because mm-hmm. I drove a Pontiac Sunbird for seven months, and it is—I got it from Rent-A-Wreck in Los Angeles, and it is not a <laughs> high-quality car. It's called a Rent-A-Wreck. Yeah, Rent-A-Wreck. But why would that be a good name for anything? That's not—you know, it's truth it's in advertising. You know what you're getting. It's a wreck. Yeah, yeah it's a shitty yeah. car. Shitty car. <laughs> Crappy cars. Huh? It was all just like Chevy Maludas and like Toyota Nagasaki's, which I thought that was very insensitive. Yeah, it seems strange. Uh, so she has killed four people up to this point, and uh-huh. you think the worst decision she's made so far, Henry, is the car choice. It doesn't even have power windows. <laughs> oh. Hey, my my Toyota Celica, my 92 Toyota Celica yeah. that I drove for years, it didn't have power windows, and the Celicat was a fine vehicle. I had a Thunderbird growing up. Before I wrecked it. <laughs> yeah, you could probably get it. How at- did you fit into a Thunderbird? Oh, very easily. Thunderbirds are fairly large. And then I had a yellow Geo Metro convertible that I was longer than. <laughs> that was my favorite car of all time. <laughs> now, Eileen had either thrown away or sold everything in Seam's car except for one thing. Now, whether it was a token of guilt or a trophy taken like so many other serial mm. killers do... Eileen kept one of Peter's Bibles in hers and Ty's apartment. That had to have been a trophy. Yeah. That has to be like a thing that they joked and they laughed about and they had. Mm -hmm. So this guy, do we know that they actually were going out to the woods to have sex? I mean, what... It's no no idea. Uh, well, it's conjecture. The, well, one thing that uh, that you'll see that we'll see later in one of her murders is uh, the problem with Eileen Buenos's victims is that they only found them after they had been decomposing for a long time. Mm. Uh, so a lot of the uh, kind of surface marks that you can find on victims in order to kind of surmise what exactly happened to put together more of a picture, all those surface marks were gone. So we don't know right. if they actually went out there for sex or if Eileen pulled out a gun put it to his stomach and said keep driving take a left here take a right here took him out in the woods and shot him in the chest hmm. like we don't really know uh, it's all like, it's not until later that we start to get a more clear picture of what she's doing no matter what kind of work you do how you communicate is key all those emails reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me 
the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. And, oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanadas already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Napa. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. About a month later, on the 4th of July, Eileen and Ty were out having a good drunken joyride in Peter's Sunbird when Ty suddenly lost control of the car and crashed it into a ditch near a row of houses. People, of course, came out to help, but Eileen and Ty, after begging them not to call the cops, ran off before anyone could get their names. But they did see their faces, and when the car was quickly traced back to seams, a sketch was drawn up and sent out. Now, they were very distinct-looking people. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, very distinct. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to confuse Eileen Wernos for anyone else. Now, at this point, none of these four murders were connected, as they had all been done in different jurisdictions, and nobody had noticed yet the pattern of middle-aged men showing up shot off highways around Florida. And that was going to be an interesting thing later on during her trial when you realize like a, a part of the – she had to be shipped from county to county to county to face trial in different parts of the state. Mm-hmm. It was very expensive to try her. Yeah. And it was also very difficult to put together a investigation because of, of the problems of communicating between different fucking counties as we've heard again and again. Yeah. Well, this is also 1990, so the the counties aren't. They did actually end up using uh, some of the databases when they really started to get a picture. They did start using some of the inner uh, state databases uh, that now I believe uh, prevent serial killers from sure. getting the body counts that they used to get. It is amazing how much how quickly technology has changed. It's it's I amazing. Mean, yeah, and, 1990, like, you could still get away with this kind of stuff for long periods of time. Yeah, I mean the reason why you know people ask why aren't there as many serial killers now as there were back then is because you can't uh, do the, it. the prevention techniques have actually gotten quite sophisticated and they've gotten quite good. Actually, I'd say law enforcement had, did a very good job of keeping serial killing from getting out of hand like it once did. 
also our attention span is greatly shrunk, greatly shrunk because <laughs> right. of the phones, the phone games. That's right. But I do think that we see more spree kills now. Yes. And more yes. just snap mass uh, murders. Oh, we absolutely see yeah. more of those. Uh, those used to be fair. I mean, they did still happen. I mean, it's not a, a brand new phenomenon. Of course, we had Charles Whitman. We had the Luby's massacre. Oh, my God. Uh, we had the McDonald's yeah. massacre. They've been ha- we've uh, had Martin Bryant. Uh School like mass shootings have been happening for a very long time. It's just yeah. now they're happening with more and more frequency. If you want to hear well, about the, the the victims, if you want to hear about the victims of the Whitman shooting uh, in Texas, the Tower mm-hmm. is an amazing documentary. Oh, I've never seen and that. It focuses on the victims, and it is it makes you cry. Mm-hmm. I did. I cried and I cried, uh, but it is phenomenal. So check out Tower on Netflix. And wait till how many more uh, streamed live murders we're going to have. Oh, my We're going to have a lot more. We already saw the two reporters that died, or the cameraman and the reporter that passed away Uh uh, with the shooting. Now, this guy, I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. Facebook has to fix that, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, Facebook Live is really backfiring, isn't it? Yeah, it's not really good. It's kind of fun to watch the mistake they made. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting to see it uh, unravel in real time. Mm Mm-hmm. But even though these jurisdictions weren't talking to each other just yet, most of these jurisdictions had come up with the theory that it was probably a woman who was the perpetrator. Like I said earlier, one of the investigators, a Captain Steve Benegar. Ooh. And- <laughs> I like him. <laughs> what, Steve, you like Steve Benegar? Yeah, he has breakfast for every meal. <laughs> he sounds like the kind of guy who's just like, if it, if it don't have syrup on it, I don't like to eat it. I uh, can you tell? Hey, tell me. I got a funny little joke. How can you tell if a cop's good? If his last name rhymes with vinegar. <laughs> Is your Get last name vinegar by any chance? Vinegar, he reasoned that the murders were probably done by strangers picked up from the road. Uh, Because, as we said before, serial killers uh, are the hardest uh, perpetrators to catch Mm -hmm. uh, because most murders are solved within the first 48 hours or so, and the vast majority of the time, it is a perpetrator that the victim knows. Serial killings are totally random, and everything in this scenario pointed towards some sort of a drifter murder. But... Nobody picked up hitchhikers anymore. This is 1990. This is after Henry Lee Lucas. This is after uh, Charles Manson. This is after all of these hitchhiking serial killers uh, had had their reigns of terror across the country. So, Benegar theorized mm. that it was pro- probably a woman posing as a motorist in distress or something yeah. like that that was probably committing the murders. She, I mean, she is old school for the 1990s. She's like someone with an AOL account. <laughs> you know, what are they hiding? Yes. Can you trust them? I don't think so. She went the way of the car phone. And then <laughs> ah. she also, this again, it's, but it's Old West. She's bringing Old West into the 1990s. It's mm-hmm. about being like a, having no tether, just being out on the yeah. road. It's, it is romantic if it did not involve all the drunken murder. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, you just reminded me my, when my father got a car phone for the first time. Oh, yeah. And he forced us yeah. to call uh, a friend of his, and it didn't work. <laughs> call the house. No, we got to move the car. Dude, there's no signal. Actually, there's not, not enough signal. Move the car back six feet. Six feet. My- Benjamin. Benjamin. <laughs> oh, my. I'm having a flashback. Yes, we did call the house to call my mother. And then, it, yeah, just, and then it did end up working. And then it was, hey. That was it. And it was like, okay. We're, and I said, we're. Guess what we're calling from? And, and that there, that's a car phone. That's a car <laughs> phone. work there, Benjamin. And one day you work hard enough, you can afford to have a gigantic 2,000-pound 
phone <laughs> with a steering wheel like I got. Yeah, about 1500 bucks for it. So when two women were seen running away from the scene of an accident involving the car of a missing man, the female theory was given a little more credence. But in the end, the thing that would help to take down Wernos more than anything from this scene would be the bloody palm print she left behind on the Pontiac Sunburn. Mm. But before that could happen, she would kill three more times. At the end of July, Eileen killed a 50-year-old sausage salesman named Tony Barres. Oh, he's a sausage salesman? Yeah. Yeah, listen, you don't got to kill me. We're sitting on close to $2 million worth of premium <laughs> sausage. Lee, listen to me. I seem like a reasonable girl. I ain't got nothing. 90 pounds of the finest bratwurst. Oh, you got to have it. Snap to the bite. It, it's just wonderful. Filled with. You don't want to know how it's made, though. <laughs> that's kind of a funny. That's a classic joke. <laughs> uh, Troy's sausage truck would be found the next day, but his body would not be found for another month. You can't go killing the sausage salesman. He's got a whole town to feed. This is making me upset. <laughs> I'm not happy with what's happened. I haven't been happy with the whole uh, with any of the murders, but now, now we have sausage involved. I knew the sausage would touch, touch your heart. Yeah, it's just, come on. I mean, what's the guy doing with his life other than giving you a good, high-quality, 100% pure beef sausage? And, you know, for Little League games or random picnics? Tubed beef next to sliced bread is one of the most important inventions of humankind. <laughs> this is like killing a rocket scientist this of is. American society. And you know what? Sausage never killed anyone other than the diabetes, the heart disease, and things like yeah, that. Sausage just killed Chris Farley, a, hundreds uh, of yeah, people. John Candy, yeah, millions. Yeah, well, but if you think about it, they died eating sausage, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Troy's body, when they found it, was badly decomposed, as it was Florida, and bodies decompose very quickly in that climate. And I would assume uh, the uh, all the uh, reptiles and stuff like that yeah. probably oh, yeah. have their way with the uh, with the body. Reptiles, birds, insects. I mean, a, a body decomposes and disappears very fast in Florida. Mm-hmm. An iguana will live in your asshole for a month. <laughs> But even though the body was badly decomposed, that's not. That is possible, though. (laughs) Honey, we're moving in. I got a new iguana home for us. That's kind of cute. If it was a cartoon and if people didn't die. (laughs) So that is the truth on that. Very true. Now, the identification was made, but through his wedding ring, which... Mm. New forensic expert Corinne made sure to point out to me was a miserable way to identify a body as wedding rings aren't very unique. Mm. And what does uh, quote-unquote forensic expert Corinne sound like? It is an absolutely miserable way to identify a body as <laughs> wedding rings aren't very unique. Definitely real. <laughs> no way a potted plant in your office. No way. No. The next murder came on September 11th, 1990. This time, the victim was Dick Humphreys, a former police chief who found a second career as a child abuse investigator. Hmm. His body was found the next day by a couple of kids behind some deserted housing developments. He was slumped over in a field, fully dressed, with his pockets turned out and seven bullets in his body. But this time, Eileen would take it a step further. Instead of just torso shots, as she had done with every other murder, Eileen would deliver the killing blow to Dick Humphrey's execution style, shooting him in the back of the head. This is a clear example of serial killer escalation. She likes it now. 
Yep. And these obviously, and I think it's got a lot to do with him being a cop and him coming out there. I was like, I'm certain that she felt a, a massive, uh, a massive bitterness towards police. And the idea of you got this guy in the car and then you're just like, fuck it. We're going for a ride. I'm going to do, I'm going to get one off on you. But this guy was trying to help uh, kids, right? Yeah, I mean, he was the exact, I mean, people like him and Peter Seams, you know, these guys fit the profile, you know, not of uh, a violent rapist, but of a guy who would go out of his way uh, to help out a stranded woman on the side of the road. I mean, a guy so far- who was I'm not to victim blame, a guy who's stupid enough to do it. Like, it comes down to you just don't do this shit. That's why you don't do this shit. Yeah, but if you're like, a good Samaritan, if you are a, a Bible salesman, if you are, you know, if that, that is one of God's duties to yeah. help uh, the people who are in need. And then, of course, if you're a sausage salesman, you want to get that product out to as many people as possible. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's one person at a time. It's grassroots. It's grassroots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys, these guys were, they were good Samaritans. Uh, and she, you know, and she took advantage of that. And she not only took advantage of that, uh, but through her uh, explanation of why she killed, she ended up, she slandered their name as well uh by branding them rapists and uh possible murderers Mm. and also with dick on the right side of his stomach was a circular bruise in the shape of a gun barrel suggesting that eileen had held it there for quite a while which to me sounds a hell of a lot more like robbery than self-defense so with him said she was in the quote-unquote robin biz yeah this is about this is about making money now it's a boat and it's interesting because there's certain killers that did that too like richard ramirez would turn he obviously had a sexual nature to the to the murderers of course Mm -hmm. but also he robbed the whole house where it's like that's where the intentions are it's almost like she looked at like it was kind of like her job too yeah. yeah, it was the only way she made money. You get the feeling the Dracul of Sacramento would have loved the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> just drop the sausage. Do I have to get rid of it? <laughs> I can't stop thinking of an entire just truckload of sausage. What are you pulling? Tubes and tubes of blood? That's funny you should say that because I don't have enough blood. <laughs> well, here's your sausage. Thank you. <laughs> you got to bite it. <laughs> you could suck a sausage for a while and it would slowly dissolve, I suppose. Now, Eileen's last victim would meet the same fate. On November 17th, 1990, almost a year after her killing spree began, he was a 60-year-old trucker, security guard, and member of the reserve police force, and he was the last to fall victim to Eileen's mm. 22. His name was Antonio. So she went after police officers. And I mean, I mean these were by these ran- were I mean, fairly well-established members of society in other words. I mean, it was a, a random type thing. Right. You know, and, and you know and so, and also like with pretty much the exception of the Pontiac Sunbird, although it was a brand new car oh. at that time oh. in 1989, uh, she usually went after guys with nice cars. Hmm. And now, so yeah. when she shot the guy in the back of the head, that's what makes her the sort of the male, the first female serial killer who acted like a male, right? Well, because that, she escalated from the chest to the head. Well, that's the funny thing is that uh, most female killers, when uh, women shoot uh, other people in murder, uh, they aim for the chest and most likely the heart. A lot of times, and men tend to go for the head. And so Eileen Wernos kind of went from killing like a stereotypical female to killing like a stereotypical man uh, and escalating it to a point uh, where it still gave her the same rush as it did before. You kind of wonder 
how much further she would have gone. I mean, it's right. very if she wouldn't have gotten caught after this, I mean, hell, she might have been on her way to a berserker streak like Ted Bundy. Hmm. She definitely would have probably carved up faces a little bit more. I think yeah. she was getting more. She was starting to get into the idea of desecrating the bodies and shit like that. But she didn't have the same pull that like Ted Bundy had, where they wanted to, like literally like suck on the corpses and shit like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, women don't. Uh, women serial killers don't really kill for sexual pleasure. Uh, the only one that we really have on record uh, as saying that they derive sexual pr- pleasure from the murder uh, was uh, Carla Faye Tucker, mm. who said yeah. every time. She uh, dropped the pickaxe down on the body. Uh, she had a teensy little orgasm. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and some of them do talk about that. But the other thing uh, is that um, we don't know a whole lot about female serial killers, at least not as much as we know about male serial killers. It's because female serial killers don't really like to talk about their crimes. Eileen Wernos is actually really special in that. Is that Eileen Wernos would talk and talk and talk and talk. You couldn't shut her up. Right. Uh, but most female serial killers don't like to talk about it and in fact don't really give a whole lot of interviews because they're classy <laughs> that's it now while the first three murders were not linked at the time of their occurrence due to being in different jurisdictions the following four all happened in the same county and so florida finally figured out that it had a serial killer on their hands and it was a strange kind of serial killer because it was all middle-aged white men mm-hmm. uh who you know needless to say are not typical serial killer victims mm-hmm. The sketch of Eileen and Ty was blasted across all channels, and when Ty got wind that she was a wanted woman, she decided she'd had just about enough of the drifter life and moved back home. Oh, that oh, was that's it? weird. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe she didn't stick around. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Once, she found, once the heat got on, she lit out, man. Hmm. Now, pretty soon, landlords and hotel managers all over Daytona started calling up police saying the sketch looked a hell of a lot like this couple named Eileen and Ty who were very well capable of doing something sketchy. Maybe not murder, but definitely something. Right. At least wor- worth looking into. And then there were the pawn goods from the Mallory case that had finally been tracked down. See, when you pawn things in Florida, you got to give a thumbprint. And Eileen gave hers, but figured she was okay as she had used her cami green alias. But when they added that thumbprint to the palm print on the Pontiac, which turned up the alias Lori Grody, police started closing in on the woman who was known to use all of these names, Eileen hmm. Carroll Wernos. And that's where the interstate communication came in, is that they started looking at all these names popping up, and they started seeing all of these mug shots coming together. They were finally able to put it all together uh, to think that, hey, this Eileen Wernos character, there's definitely something to her, because a weapons charge had also showed up on the Cami Green alias. So it was and all if you're coming just, together. And if you're just brave enough... If you go up to the various gigantic jugs of trucker piss that are left on the sides of the oh, roads, and this is please. if you're brave enough, <laughs> yes. and you open them up, and you stick your hands in there, a lot of times truckers will leave little messages I don't think. in there to what? tell you road secrets that only they know. Well, what could be the road secret? I don't know. You have to be brave enough <laughs> to go in to open to go in there with your hands and really feel around in feel the bottom of there. That's a good idea. I do love that the police are just like pawn shops are gone. People who go to pawn shops are criminals. Let's just get their thumbprint. Yeah, That's sort pretty of the, much they understood because yeah. it works like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this shit pops up all the time. Yeah, well, they get results. Yeah. Or future musicians who live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> now, on January 5th, 
Two undercover police officers going under the names Bucket and Drums. Wait, what? Bucket yeah. and Drums. These are undercover police officers? Those were their uh, undercover names. So this was just like, what do like poor idiots who do a lot of drugs, like what's their names? Bucket. Bucket. <laughs> and, and then Drums. Okay, what if I just go as... Is it bad to just go as a sonograph? Or can I go... Can we just call you Drums? That's simpler. <laughs> well, the bucket and drums hit the streets, posing as drug dealers down from Georgia on vacation in Daytona Beach. They, when are drug dealers on vacation? Yeah, their whole life is a vacation. No way. That's a very stressful life. They got, Even drug dealers need a vacation every once in a while. You heard right. it here first, folks. They need folks. a vacation from their problems. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Bucket and Drums found Eileen at the Port Orange Pub and followed her to a biker bar called The Last Resort. There, Eileen drank until she passed out in a chair in the bar's outside area, and both the bartender and the cops left her sleeping there until the next morning. But when the sun came up, the cops arrested Eileen for an outstanding warrant on one of her aliases, and after her arrest, The Last Resort hung a portrait of Eileen with the inscription... Here lied Eileen Lee Wuornos on her last night of freedom, January 9th, 1991. So they didn't wake her up so they could put this stupid sign up? <laughs> yes. No, they put the they sign up like years nice. later. Oh, I see. <laughs> they weren't painting. They painted a portrait of her. How bad is this dive bar that this is their claim to fame? You like, have to, if you rewatch uh, Selling of a Serial Killer, yeah. which is the documentary, one of the first documentaries about uh, Aileen Wuornos. Mm-hmm. It goes into the last resort, which is if you just want a snapshot of Florida mm. and what Florida is like, watch this thing. You roll into this biker bar. It is all open shacks. It's like a shack with several compartments. They're playing Garth Brooks. I've got friends in low places. Oh. It's not a bit. It's like they are singing and into it. It sounds like when it, the documentary crew walks in, you hear like that. Yeah, and like everybody stares. It's just bikers. Then the biggest man in the world goes. The documentary. It's mm-hmm. the, the 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 guy. The documentarian goes up to the bartender. They walk up to the thing. Who's this huge guy? He's wearing an alligator skin hat. Huge man. Who's just like. Now, I don't know much about Eileen because she came in here just every once in a while. You got to talk to the human bomb. (laughs) He's performing tomorrow. Cuts to the next day where the human bomb is performing, which is just a man laying on a pile of what I can assume is low-grade dynamite. (laughs) That just explodes him. And then they try to talk with Eileen. He's like, I can't talk right now. I'm winded. (laughs) He's like, I got to go. I got to go walk this off. I gotta go walk this off. That is the entertainment (laughs) for the night is the human bomb. It is an amazing documentary. That is incredible. But let's not defame the good name of Garth Brooks. Oh, of course not. I mean, Garth Brooks is very talented. Yeah, Rodeo. Garth Brooks is a terrible man. He's another one of those who's beaten everybody he's around. No, No, he he hasn't. I don't he's mean to married, slander, he's... but I've heard that. I heard that. Oh, Garth no, you're slandering right now. You are slandering. You are. You guys are the same thing you did to Kelsey Grammer. I always have to come to the defense of people. No, I'm coming. I'm with you on this Thank one. Don't you. fuck with Garth Brooks. All right. Oh, I love Garth Brooks. You can say anything you like about Chris Gaines, but don't bring Garth oh, Brooks into this. I don't even know if Chris Gaines was Garth Brooks. I'm not sure. Uh, look at Garth Brooks, and you do WW, and then you hit W. 
in Google searches, it says wife beater. No, that's <laughs> just because <laughs> idiots like you put it in there. No, it does not. And he's married to uh, the very famous country musician as well. They've been together for many, many years. I forget her name now. I can't she, remember. She's wonderful. He lied to us about being Chris Gaines. No, he was trying to <laughs> reinvent himself because he's a creative performance artist. Oh, I hate this term. <laughs> and he doesn't necessarily dress appropriately for weddings, but he's got a good heart. He's also extremely wealthy. Yeah. These are my dress jeans. <laughs> this is my nice hat. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you're making fun of it right now, but that's the no, reality. That's true. Yeah, that's reality. That is how it goes. Yeah. I have to, them, too. Yeah, I have the same thing. We're going to play this uh, when we go down to Texas, Henry. Yeah. You're going to have some please, explaining please. to do, my friend. I am gonna be duded up in Texas. You'll see, and I'm gonna want. I am gonna. I'm gonna line step my way into the hearts of Texans across that great, big, beautiful state. All right, I'm it's, sorry. It's because, line dancing, and no one's done that since 1994. Oh, that's the only kind You'll of dances see. I can do. Yeah. I, I, I don't like to make the box though; it's very difficult. Anyway, all right, let's get back. Well, back to speaking of the portrait uh, that was made of Eileen Warnos years later. Someone tried to replace. The portrait, it was a painted picture, which was definitely a gussied up version of Eileen. Uh, They tried to replace it with a more unflattering picture of her clip from the paper. The artist naturally objected, saying they had painted Eileen prettier on purpose because, as the artist said, quote, everybody deserves a break. That's kind of sweet, actually, even though she's a terrible person. It is kind of sweet, but it's also a very biker thing to do. Yeah. Yes. Now, Ty was found in Pittson, Pennsylvania, just a day after Eileen's arrest, and police put the screws to her as soon as they could. And Ty, trying to draw attention away from the fact that she very well could have prevented all but one of these murders, offered to trick Eileen into giving a confession in exchange for immunity. And after a series of jailhouse conversations monitored by the police were held over a few days, Eileen finally came clean about the murders, either in order to protect Ty from prosecution or just to get the whole damn thing over with. Hmm. And that's the funny thing about these conversations. See, Monster made it out to look like Eileen was a sort of hero for keeping Ty out of it. And the other documentaries make Ty to look like the biggest turncoat since Judas. But the reality is, again... You're dealing with two terrible people here. They're both gross. They're both gross. Eileen, again, was a drifter serial killer. And Ty, again, was the one who let her do it, either because she loved her despite her actions or because she just didn't care. Hmm. And speaking of movies, within two weeks of Eileen's arrest, her attorney, the investigators involved in the hunt, Ty, and even Eileen herself had sold the rights to their stories. And to give now, this is where things get fucked up. Yeah. Like, I don't this believe is that where- <laughs> I mean, We are yeah. seven murders yeah. in. Yeah. That's not what I mean. I'm, I, I, am, I am a broken person because of the years of doing this show. But when it comes to Eileen, like, I don't think that she, she deserves whatever she got. But this is a thing that shows you like how quickly you are surrounded by sharks mm. and how and she like because her story was worth a lot of money. Yeah. Like immediately because the right. first female serial killer. Boom. That's it. That's your hook right there. So she is not that bright and also trying to save her own ass. And so she has she basically just flips immediately and is surrounded by all of these fucking crooks Mm -hmm. that take this story and run with it. Oh, to give you an idea of how fast people bought her story, 
The deal actually kind of sort of began before Eileen was even arrested. Mm. The mother of the producer, who ended up with the Eileen deal, recognized Wernos from the police sketch in a grocery store and handed Eileen her daughter's card and told her, give her a call. You might be able to make some money. Wow. It is capitalism at its worst. Yeah, um, it's like anything. I sells. honestly do feel in my head it's serial killers are at the top of the evil, and Hollywood producers are like third. Yeah, on the list. I agree. It's like we got fucking Jimmy Savile. He's in there. Do you know what I mean it's like <laughs> entertainment people are bad? Lou Pearlman. He's in there. Ooh. Oh my god. Suge yeah. Knight, singer, the guy who directed F- uh, X Men, who still is directing movies on a regular basis. Brian Singer. Yeah. Now, after Wernos was arrested, she did actually call that producer, and Wernos sold her life story in exchange for a payment of 60 bucks a month for the rest of her life. But in commissary money, that is actually fairly good. Yeah. Uh, if I, you're, you're, I mean, she's not buying a new house. Yeah, but you know, at this so you, point, Eileen still thought she might get off. She thought oh she might have been, she thought her story might have worked. By 1992, a made-for-TV movie called Overkill was released, starring the blonde from Designing Women as Eileen and the southern doctor from Empty Nest as Ty. Oh, I loved Empty Nest. Yeah, so did I. Remember that scene in the beginning where he's running with the dog on the beach? I watch Empty Nest like three times a week. It's on the uh, Laugh Network on the the antenna TV that I get. And you do laugh when you watch that network. You really do. (laughs) They got funny (laughs) shows. And if you watch the trailer to Overkill, um... It is a mite sexier than the reality. I, yes. well, actually, gonna... I actually watched some of Overkill. It's on YouTube. It's a lot sexier than reality. Hmm. Now, concerning the trials, Eileen was tried separately for each of the murders, beginning with Richard Mallory. And as we said earlier, Eileen tried the self-defense argument on the stand, but her taped confession and the testimony of Ty sunk her completely, and she was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to death. The same sentence came back for the murder of Charles Humphreys, and when the judge read that sentence, Eileen said in open court, I hope you get raped in the ass one day. I hope your wife and kids get raped right in the ass. She's verbatim. So there was a stenographer who had to be like, can you take that back? (laughs) What was that? What is the code for those words? Made love to. I think that your wife and kids will be made love to in their bottoms. Can I make it funner? That they Can are make it- <laughs> just take down what she said, stenographer. <laughs> oh, I am embarrassed. <laughs> they are the unsung heroes of the legal system, by they, the way. They really they are. hear everything. I would have so much PTSD if mm-hmm. I was a courtroom stenographer. Yeah. After that public outburst, uh, most of Eileen's more credible supporters started fading away. But who should fill the gap but lawyer Stephen Glazer, hmm. aka Dr. Legal? as he called himself on his TV commercials. This dude is very, he is fucking Steve Brule. <laughs> he's just a burned out stoner. Yeah. He's a big fat idiot that like, he was just him talking about his band. He said the, the biggest, uh, the, the, he was really proud of the fact that he once opened for Leon Redbone. <laughs> oh, that, Look, that was the credit that he that the uh, documentary maker uh, gave this guy. Uh, and you can always tell when documentary filmmakers give a credit, it's because the subject made sure that right. they had that in there. Like, make sure make sure I say that I opened for Leon Redbone. Like, make sure. <laughs> Who the hell is Leon Redbone? Leon Redbone isn't, isn't even... That's not even a credit for Leon Redbone. <laughs> Being Leon Redbone. 
<laughs> so Glazer would be the next person to get a piece of Eileen, taking the case pro bono as he figured he could make money off Eileen in other ways. He teamed up with a born-again Christian and horse breeder named Arlene Prale, who had shown up during the first trial. Now, she said that she saw a picture of Eileen Warnos, and God told her that she needed to save her, and a part of it was that I looked at her eyes, and her eyes told me she was a innocent woman, a beautiful soul, and what do we know about Eileen Warnos's eyes? Black. <laughs> Black is a doll's eyes. Rolling back. Sure, this guy rolling. Ten men win. One man went out. <laughs> Is that a yacht club president? <laughs> wow. When W met with Putin, talking about looking through his eyes, uh-huh. oh, what a great soul he has. It seems to me eyes aren't necessarily a great indicator of the quality of one's soul. Yeah, either that or born-again Christians are really shitty judges of character. I guess so. Or uh, maybe, uh, and, I, and I don't want again, I don't want to fucking say anything bad about character. Maybe they happen to just be in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. That's possible. Yeah, and on the other side of uh, uh, Arlene Prale. Eileen said that Jesus told her that a Christian woman would write her a letter. And a couple days later, Eileen got a letter from Arlene, and so a friendship was formed. In fact, during that first trial, Eileen thought she was going to be exonerated for not just the Richard Mallory murder, but for all seven. And she was going to go live with Prale on a farm breeding horses and raising she-wolves. That sounds literally like lesbian heaven. <laughs> it might be. I, that just that's how. But that's how I guess warped her sense of morality was and right and wrong and just you know the 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 fact that she had zero remorse whatsoever. Well, up until that point, she had gotten away with all everything. Like the only time she had ever done any jail time uh, was when I think she was you know when she uh, I think was maybe like twenty two, twenty three. Uh, well, so she, she had them when she did the armed robbery. When she did the armed robbery, yeah. yeah. So she had had about a decade of being able to slip away uh, and run away before getting before having any consequences of her actions come to fruition. Mm. So she thought that this was just going to be she was just going to be able to slither her way out of this one just like she had every single one before that but she did not and when she was sentenced to die Prale adopted Eileen legally as her daughter to not only get better access to Eileen herself but also so she would have next of kin rights when Eileen was executed oh. together with Eileen's lawyer Stephen Glazer Prale convinced Eileen to plead no contest to the four remaining first degree murder charges to which Eileen received Four further death sentences. And Prale said she convinced Eileen to do so, so Eileen could hurry up and get on up to heaven in Jesus' loving arms. Uh, nothing to do with that paycheck coming in the mail, huh? <laughs> wow. And Glazer did it because he was nowhere near a talented enough lawyer to navigate his way through an actual capital murder case. I thought his name was Dr. Legal, like if the WWE <laughs> created a lawyer a character, they would call it Dr. Being Legal. A lawyer. Yeah. yeah, but you realize doctors, uh, that doesn't make you a lawyer. No, 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 no. If you're a doctor, you can officially also be a lawyer. Oh, I see. Even if you're just a doctor of philosophy, oh. you are now officially above a lawyer so you can step in, even if you're a dentist. I had no idea. <laughs> so, Glazer, not talented enough to do a capital murder case, but if Eileen were to plead no contest, which is the same thing as guilty, Glazer would keep his access to Eileen without having to do any actual work. 
literally Ted Bundy would have been a better lawyer than Dr. Legal. Yeah. You know, uh, I, to be honest, my, my own theory is that uh, Eileen did not truly understand what was happening. Yeah. Well, I think a, that a lot of people the, think that, too. A lot of lawyers that came back in made that same argument that hmm. Glazer was just taking advantage of her. Well, yeah, and she did not really understand death penalty. She like kind of like thought of it as a romantic idea, and then I, I once she started processing it, she started realizing like how uh, permanent that was. Yeah, and you can't get out of it, and how difficult it would be to go and fight it. Yeah, I'm well, against uh, the death penalty, by the way. Yeah, so so am I. Uh, but a lot of psychiatrists said that she just couldn't grasp the finality of death. She didn't have the emotional maturity uh, to grasp just how final death actually was. And it's a very long process, the death penalty, which is why you often see people. First of all, you're in solitary confinement immediately. Mm -hmm. You get no general pop. Life, you're, you're buried alive. A lot of people want to hurry the process up. Yeah. And they tell their lawyers to just stop appealing because constitutionally they have the right to appeal, obviously. Mm -hmm. But after 15 years, they're like, get it on with, please. Yeah. Well, Glazer, like I said, he was there to keep access to Eileen without actually having to do anything. All he had to do, show up and maybe make some money on the side. And this proved to be exactly mm. why he was in it. And Prale would prove to be in it for just about the same reason. Prale and Glazer started getting followed by documentarian Nick Broomfield, who made two documentaries on, on Eileen, The Selling of a Serial Killer and The Life and Death of Eileen Wernos. And in the former, you can see a particularly sleazy negotiation between Broomfield and Prale and Glazer in which they try to extort $10,000 for the rights to their story. And as far as I could tell, the most they could get was 1000 but they still got money from them. Yes, and then the Dr. Legal was not happy with the documentarian and quite loathed him. Now, in 2001, Eileen came clean, saying the self-defense story was a complete and total sham. Now, some say, Ben, like you said, that Eileen claimed this just so she could expedite her execution. She wanted to die. She right. wanted it all to be over. And to this point, she did whisper to Broomfield in one of her final interviews uh, when she thought the cameras were off that... No, wait, actually, the murders really were in self-defense. I was just lying that last time. They actually were in self-defense. Uh, I was lying the first time and the third time, but not the second time. And the fact is, we will never know. Also, very similar to uh, your judgment call that she thinks and acts like a child. Yeah. And it's a part of that, too, of doing that. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It's very childlike. Yeah. Now, Eileen Wernos, she told so many different stories between the day she was caught and the day she died that we will never know which ones, if any, are true and which ones aren't. We can draw conclusions based on evidence and testimony, but we will never know for sure. And so, at 9.47 a.m. on October 9th, 2002, Eileen Wernos was executed by lethal injection. Her last words were... I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie, big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. That's why you don't want to make a uh, reference to a very, you know, movie. <laughs> you, you, because it, it really dates you, you know. It you, want date more, you. you want something yeah. more evergreen. Yeah, but even then, this was, I mean, this is 2002. It's almost 10 years after Independence Day came out. I guess she loved that movie. She did. I actually, love that in, movie. In her letter, I love that movie. It's, it's my, movie. yeah, it's yeah. my depression movie. I mean, like, there's been times in my life when yeah. I've been in a deep depression when I've watched Independence Day three or four times in a single day. Yeah, hmm. she was on death row. 
I mean, this is. I actually would like to find out the numbers of how many times Independence Day has been watched on death row. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, so this was very recent uh, history, 2002, yeah. obviously. And then, so Ty, do we know is she still alive? Yeah. So she, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing about this story. I mean, there's a lot of these people uh, that are still alive and just kind of living out their lives all across America. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Manson girls out there. Carla Homolka's yeah. out there. Like there there are so many people who just sort of finish and out their time. Carla Homolka should get into the um weight gain business, the protein shake, Bulkam Bulka I don't know. Now Eileen had kept writing letters to Don right up till a few days before her execution. And we'll end this series on the last letter Eileen Muernos ever wrote. Now, this is important to make you just feel weird <laughs> because at the end, it's like you just have such a rare opportunity to see a serial killer and what their thoughts are right before they're executed. And so this was her last letter ever. And then she went into like a silent period right before she died. And so this is it's it's a weird view into a very complicated case of a, a very uh, angry and deranged woman. Hmm. Dear Don, well, I've pretty much caught up to all that's been needed to be said, and so now, to you and our friendship shared these 11 years, so deeply appreciated. What a buddy. Can't believe you even wanted to rebuild it back after news hit of what happened in 91, so I was just awestruck. But then, when you decided to help me through all of it as well, that really blew me away then, royal. So Don, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I'll cherish it forever, and I can't wait to see you in the next someday. Boy, am I ever going to show you around. Treat you the best for it, and all you helped me through in this mess that they put me in, as Jackie Gleason would put it, you're the greatest, and you are. So thank you, buddy, so much. And those kid days, oh, I could see it all now as if it were yesterday. When our friendship began as teens, there in our hip look, that back then we were called freaks. And our butts traipsing around, having just a good old time looking like one. With the attic of cases and the parties we had, as well as some of the pit gatherings. So wild and fun. Besides the bars and the pool rooms, Rochester Theater and, and, and the bowling alley. Not to forget Big Boy's Restaurant. We had such a blast. I can still see you in your teens if it were yesterday with your muscle-bound self and long black hair. We're at your house at Atkins playing the tunes of Zeppelin, Moody Blues, Pink Floyd, Carol King, and a mess more blaring away until we had to go because the parents were back. It was so much fun. And, buddy, you left me full of good memories. Even the mall. I'll never forget that ice cream cone you got with the scoop so hard put on it. And that's when you went to lick it, it fell. It would roll it across the floor. Boy, that would get me laughing all day. In the bazaar shop. Remember it at the old Oakland Mall? How easy it was to rip off clothes there, especially the blazers. I remember in one day, I went out with about eight of them babies, stashing them in Laura's Black Chrysler Newport. Then you finally got the courage to try it yourself, did and came back with a pair of jeans only for me to head back in and get five of those then. <laughs> then we later thumbed out the pants galore. I tried to do the same thing there, only for security to wind up too tight. 
while the bazaar shop got hip to all the missing merchandise, so went for beeper tags on the clothes. That worked so well, everyone quit lifting anymore. Man, so well it worked. It traveled. The idea. Across other stores, too, and they were all our lifting days. <laughs> Mischievous, I'll admit it. Yeah, we were. So young and free, but heck, nothing like today. That's for sure. Then the parks. So much fun there. Besides all my homeless days, I stayed over at your house, but it was a trip. But if I could do it all over again, I, I'd skip the drugs. I just don't believe in this stuff anymore, especially now that we can see what kind of kids come out of the Woodstock era. Nothing but a bunch of brain-damaged idiots. So I'm hoping Kim and David raise their newborns right, keeping them away from the stuff as best they can when their teen days come, too. And boy... Do I miss them snowy nights up there in Old Mint? It was romantic to me. Whenever I with the glitter of the snow under the stars of a clear moonlit night, and those autumn days with all their leaves blowing around under full moon, oh, I miss that crisp air. It always turned me on. And remember, oh, those huge whalers that Burger King had back then, man, the fish and buns were so big. Only for today, now for them to be so little. Why one thinks why? And the answer is so easy. Society. It's called overpopulation. <laughs> so quit having so many kids. Jeez. Then maybe the buns and stuff will get back to the way it used to be supersized. <laughs> anyway, I miss them good old days. When you came back into my life, it all came back in those memories refreshed in my mind. As I also need to say as well, Look who didn't give up on me. Man, too much. Haven't even taken the place of Ty in friendship just the same. Blows me away, sis. You're such a beautiful soul. And hope you'll be able to someday get the word out. How they framed a raped woman down to a serial killer. And from the get-go took advantage of in the syndrome to beat her down to one for secrets of their own, for their books and their movies. It's evil. So I hope you'll be able to someday get that through their heads and how sick the powers become today. And as for Belusha, well, that was just a pull away from the animals for sure. And now, now people are being used sacrificially. So again, I'd like to thank you for helping me through it all. And for the depths of my soul, sis, thank you for everything. Thank you so much. So, so very much. We love you, buddy. Forever, man. And with that good thought, so meant, so for real, I'll close here and find a way to relax a little bit more before the end. I'll see you at Stark. And again someday on the other side. I love you, buddy. Take good care, my friend. You'll be forever remembered by me. Love, Eileen. P.S. I'd like you to also thank your family for all the support and understanding they gave in our friendship, too, and how they stood by it. It's definitely cool, man, and brave. Thanks a million, Don. You too, you guys are the family. We'll love you forever. She's got a good point about the Burger King fish sandwich. <laughs> she does. Uh, you got to give her the credit on that. She does. That and was... I, love a, I love a hard ice cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we really want to thank Jackie Zabrowski for such a great job uh, being Eileen Warnos in this episode, or in yeah. these episodes. Fantastic job, Jackie. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like it's 
what she could have ended up at. Yeah, if she didn't get out of Florida. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Well, that's Eileen Warnos. Mm-hmm. Uh, great job. Uh, fascinating story. I mean, this one is extremely unique, like no other serial killer we've covered, to say the least. It really is. I mean, that that's the, the funny thing, is that it is at the same time like no other serial killer, but in a lot of ways, very similar. I mean, she it's just did. it's actually more surprising how similar it is to other serial killers. Yeah. Like, once that, you start filling the story and what you know about serial killers, like, you know, it's Son of Sam all over again. Yeah, that's what I was. Mo- yeah, I was extremely more successful su- Son of Sam, actually. Very much so. Yeah, I, that's what I was extremely surprised about uh, is how many serial killer little check marks that uh, that Eileen Wernos hit. Hmm. No, no uh, she doesn't have the McDonald triad. Yeah. I guess it's a dude thing, though, because at the same time, because it's weird sexual impulses. That's what all that's all that shit's masking. Yeah. I mean, it, it really like I said earlier, like uh, most female serial killers don't kill uh, for for sexual purposes. That is a specifically male thing. Um, well, all right. Well, that's I it. don't find, that doesn't make me horny at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I want to thank everyone. We want to thank everyone for voting for us for the Webbies. Yeah, uh, we're coming down to the final stretch here. We just got a couple of more days left. And, uh, you know, me, I firmly believe they might do some vote flipping <laughs> like what They're happened to John Kerry. in four. So be watch aware. The coup. Watch it happen. If you watch see those happen. numbers, if you see them flip. You know it was a fraudulent situation, <laughs> and they railroaded us. No, you are, you, you, you're believe, trumping it, right? You know, you sound like Trump I right now. I don't. We have the biggest crowds. We have the biggest crowds. We have the best crowds. Uh, well, there is actually one, yes. one of the other podcasts is making a, a last-minute push, and they are gaining on us. Uh, so we really need you guys uh, to come out uh, and support us on this. Uh, remember, uh, Cave Comedy Radio and Last Podcast on the Left is a completely DIY operation. This That's is totally it. grassroots here. We've never had any corporate sponsorship we've never had any help from anybody except for you the yep. fans and that's why we have such a great relationship and that's why we can't see wait to see you at every live show and it's just a really wonderful experience let's uh, make it a mandate well now you're <laughs> gonna, making a mandate yeah. we will set for it and then i will be able to put my policies out into the real world do you know what a <laughs> mandate is yeah i know that it's, it's when you and I go out and get beers. It's just you and me. <laughs> yeah, I like that better. Go to our Twitter page, at LP on the left. There is a pinned tweet there uh, that'll take you straight to uh, to the ballot page. Uh, yes. And thank you so much to everybody who's uh, who's voted so far. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. You guys, the best. You guys are, are, are the best. Thank and you, you. And you are the reason why we have gotten anywhere. Thank you so much. Uh, yes. Follow us on Twitter. At Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram, at Dr. Fantasty, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel1. And follow us on all the bullshits uh, for our last podcast left at LP on the left. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much for everyone who donates to the Patreon page. You mm-hmm. guys have made this entire thing possible. You guys are life changers. And uh, we got some fun creepypastas that I read this uh, this week. One's called Carbon Copy. Mm-hmm. And it's, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. That's patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. If you give just a dollar or more and you get pre-sale tickets for all of our live shows uh coming up we've got uh denver this week colorado springs on 420 don't forget Uh-oh. about that show uh <laughs> yikes the home yeah, of james legalize it. i cannot fucking wait yeah. i am going to get fucking nugs in my eyelashes <laughs> Uh, and we're also there's still tickets left uh, for Austin and Houston and our upcoming uh, Texas tour. Uh, we're also coming to Canada to Toronto, uh, and we're going to be at the Indianapolis Crime Con uh, June 9th and 10th. 
Awesome. I'm making my trumpet return to Canada. Yeah. And this time, I'm leaving nothing back. Okay. <laughs> this is it. Mandate. Might be difficult <laughs> to get into the country now, but that's fine. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening to all the shows here on CCR. For everything politics, listen to Abling It's Top Hat. Uh, keep you up to date on what's going on in the, the true horrors of the world, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be happening now uh, more than more than ever in Washington. Uh, Roundtable of Gentlemen, uh, page seven for everything entertainment needs, for all your entertainment needs. Sex under human activities, mm-hmm. uh, the Lucky Sam. Bone Show. Yeah, movie signs of the Mads. Yeah, for movies. Yep. And I actually just watched a, uh, a Mystery Science the other day on YouTube. It, it Man, it's, that show is so funny. It's a fantastic so show. Check that out. The old one was great. Oh, I didn't watch the new one. I was watching the old one. Actually, I watched the new one. I liked it. Okay. Yeah, all, all right. right. <laughs> wow. Controversial, controversial statements. Well, I just remembered that what, Sherry, uh, what uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman said from Twin Peaks, nobody ever changes. Guys. <laughs> also, what Agent Dale Cooper says, every day, give yourself a present. Are you just reading Twin Peaks quotes right now? Whether it I've be just a, been watching Twin Peaks. Whether it be a new shirt from the men's store or just a nice cup of coffee. Give yourself a present. Absolutely. <laughs> Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Magustalish. Hail me, Lord. And All right. Anytime we're ready to go. It's a shout out. All Looking right. Looking for the shout outs, yeah. This is the time for the Patreon shoutouts. Um, I want to say on Twitter, somebody said I really butchered their name. I apologize for that, but then they also laughed about it. Good. I, You're I th- not good with uh, multicultural names. No, that's not true. <laughs> I'm not good with Polish mean? names. The Polish I, Polish names are very difficult. I have a hard time with those, too. Thank you. Anyway, say I, don't, you say. I, I don't have a problem with this name. Edgar Martin, uh, Allison Busco, Chad Waldron. Eva Aldred, uh, Allred, uh, Pathless Plot, Y.L. Kang, Trent Coleman, Jack Shacker, Stephanie and Rob Olivia, Marika Smith, or Marika Smith, or Marika Smith, Tessa, Laura Agee, or Agee, Dan McGarvey, Annie, Kelsey Schmitz, Andrea Dane, Megan Rathbun, Debbie Sorensen, The Mouth Down South, Jimmy Cunnilingus. (laughs) What a a strange birth name that is. Uh, Lindsay Morse and Callie Edwards. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much. I like the cut of your jib, Jimmy. Uh Yeah, I like that. Good move, Jimmy. Um, Darren Yoshihara, Allison Kalerman, Preston Moore, Beth Quinn. When Beth the Eskimo gets it, everybody's gonna jump a door. So, who is that? Bob Dylan? I don't know. Okay. It's George Harrison, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sober Ringo Star. <laughs> Sober Ringo Star. <laughs> Angela Elias, Sean O'Keefe, Sasha Zimmerman. Ugh, again with that name. It's not their fault. They got to <laughs> take the name fault. Zimmerman back. Take it back. Kat Kanib, Ava Sargent, Lydia Matson, John Brady, Amber Fleming, John Strouser, Adam Sluck, mm. Caitlin Gordon, Claire Voitlander, Nathan Crescenda, Daniel Caron, Dana Rathbun. Ooh, like Rathbun Steakhouse in Atlanta. Ooh, so good. Big, thick, aged ribeyes. Ooh, we'll have to go there when we're at the Earl. Mm-hmm. Mm. James, Kendall Wilson, Olivia Kreitler. Oh, wait, no. Olivia 
Critier, Alicia Thompson. <laughs> All right. I got Catherine Green, Jessica Hunter, Kellen Noga, Mallory Heston, Rebecca Bossy, Megan Kastner, Ryan T. Bruce, Jennifer Sinclair, Zach Smathers, Elizabeth Limbacher, Jennifer Hoffman, Katie Sooner, Adam Byfield, Jay Hunter, H.E. Pennypecker, Connor Madigan, Austin Burgess, Sarah Dillard, Mike Magers, or Maggers, Karen Tronier, Ooh. or a Tronier, Ooh. and Abby Kazal Threshel. Thresher. All right, I'm going to read a bunch here in a row. We got Tommy Schmidt, we got Dallas Holiday, we got Hugh Murtog, Nikki Lyons, Tucker Lappy, or Lappy, Julia Renee, Christina Simon, Jory Moore, Malaski Darling, uh, Malaski? Malaski Darling, Charles Herrick, Elizabeth Mack, Chloe Aftel, Laura S- Lauren Sutton Beatty, Alex Robinson, Stephanie, Ch- uh, Charisse Gutierrez, 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 G U T I E R R E Z, Gutierrez, Gutierrez. Guitarist. Again, <laughs> I don't know. Polish names are very hard for me. Ann Matthews, Dan Lansing, Julie Godfrey, Mike Murray, David Hutchins, Jessica Siegman, Lee Gallup, St- uh, Stephen Rasmussen, Kat Crane, Rebecca Henderson, John Edgington, Adam Blackburn, Anthony Kakor... Kakorikius. Kakorikius? Kakorikius. Kakorikius. That's a Greek one. Anthony Kakorikius. Co- uh, Coey, Coey, Coon, Nick Holston, Chris McFedries, Stephen A. Pappy Jr., <laughs> Wayne Kelly, Joe Gilligan, Fernando Bazurgi, Ashley Napoli, Brian Henderson, Vanessa, Melissa Farrell, Britt Dollarin, or Dollarine, or Dollarin, or and then of course there's Brian G. Reed, Silky Dixon, Stephen Fostick. Justine Vaughn, Veronica Bond, Justine Vaughn's one greedy piece of age. Mm, <laughs> kind of a Billy Madison reference. Yeah, it is. Tom Grise, Josh Howard, Priscilla Alba, Tangier International Zone. Oh. Melvin, that sounds like a fucking a scam. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Melvin Horner, Andrew Morgado, Aaron Garbett, Elizabeth Sokol, Casey Daggett. Seth Best, Seth Best, Jesse Saim, Karen Heimsteck, Mike Prentice, Marissa Gross, Alex Moore. Ooh, maybe that's our Alex Moore. Hello, Alex. Regardless. It could be our Alex Moore. Love you, Alex. Okay. What's going on, bro? Dan Fernance, Jordan Miller, Frank Cobos, Jeff and Casey, Colleen Ann, AJ Capes, Brian O'Connell, hmm. Laurel Skoog, hmm. Anat Aaron. Caitlin M, Mia Lobenstein, Terry Long, Ramika Carter, Sierra Lopez, Matthew Amen, Ugh. Justin Settles. Why don't you like oh. that man's name? Because it's Amen, like in Jesus. Oh my, you are That's a fine. 13 year old. <laughs> Jason uh, Maxis. Uh, look at me, I'm Satanist. Blah. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Shut up. Uh, yeah, if you want to be a fantasist and pay attention to the Bible. Shut up. <laughs> Jessica Brooke, Chris Regan, Terry Nichols, 
Ryan Hansen. Terry Nichols. Oh. Yo, wow. Yeah. Is he out of prison? <laughs> the man I don't know. Know. <laughs> That's not good. Hey, man, we'll take your money either way. And we, and we believe you. If you have rehabilitated, if you if you have served your time, we'll take your money. I don't think Terry Nichols should ever get out of prison. <laughs> Oklahoma City, correct? Yes. Yeah. Matt Littlejohn. Mar Mariana, please come to Colorado, Laura. We're coming there, girl. Brittany Callender, Morgana Spake, Megan Silar, Max Dominguez, and Jessica Kozak. Okay. Manfred Ghost Puncher. Cool. Whoa. <laughs> Manfred the Ghost Puncher. Melinda Noble, Andrew Boyer, Luke McCallum, Megan on a Mission. M what was that? Megan on a Mission. I think you just said it fast because you don't know how to say it. No, it's all one word. Megan on a mission. Oh, Megan on a mission. Ooh. A Megan on a mission. Oh. Marie Harden, Joshua C. Guerra, Mike Henry, Krista Maney, Matt Coleman, Tyler Markland, John Lofton, I Ian Mitchell, or Ian Mitchell, Dave Taylor, Aline Scripsina, Sima, uh, Alan Scrip, or Aline, Aline Scripsima. That one's Shrip. Okay. Aline Shripsima. Mm-hmm. Don't come blaming me on Twitter for that. <laughs> Camilla Herrera. John Del Vicio. Jonathan Morfino. Nicole Martian. Brittany Ely. Cindy Taylor. Olivia Shawish. Daniel Morton. Dylan Panzarea. Ellie without the E. Ben Veo. Jessica Rodriguez. Garrett Adams. Anasazi Silva, Ooh. Samantha Royston, Gre Holger, Samantha Craig, Aaron Klein, Slaughter, True Crime Podcast. Ooh, I like it. Thank you for donating. Slaughter, it's a great name for a true crime podcast. And it's S apostrophe Lauder. Okay. Slaughter. Oh. Slaughter. Reed Siren, Shannon Sanderson, Nail, Aaron Wilson, Stephanie Stone, Vanessa Kresge, Keena Newton, and Antonia, Antonina Trillin. All right. I'm going to read my final names. Greg Hansel, Kelsey Gleason, Brandon Gerbig, John Christensen. You probably don't like that either, Henry. John Christensen. Whatever. Bobby Hamill, <laughs> Sam Arona, Emily Vasek, Anna Campanello. I want to pronounce that correctly, and I did. Anna Campanello. Congratulations to me. Jen Hayden. <laughs> Carlos Flesh Daddy Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Flesh Daddy. Uh, 24601. Thank you, 24601. Maybe you're a robot. Zelda Flanagan. Frank. Oh, 24601. That is from, uh, that's from uh, Les Mis. Oh, cool. Uh, Zelda Flanagan. Frank Valero. Nate Andrews. Samantha Kirchhoff. Mary Beth McDowell. Andrew W. Wastemiller. Matt Beyer, Jody Salas, Ross Bowerman, Sean Clarich, Courtney Gay, Michelle Witt, uh, Charles Rubach, Miranda Hammond, Cody Rosh, or Rock, Andrew, Andrea, or Andrea, Ev, Mark Berenger, Ahmed, Ahmed Zaheen, Matthew Maurice, Ronnie Flores, Ryan Melfi, Emil Frey Howe, Mary Jensen, Grant Brucey, Curtis W. Perdue, Peter Rathsack, Christine McGlynn, Christ, uh, Christian Townsend, Leah Itchry, Elise Van Yares. Oh, Lee Itchry. She, we know her. She's awesome. 
Hello, Lee Eatry. Hello. Elise Van Yares, I believe. Uh, and then El Perdar... Lepardover. <laughs> it is LP. The machine is running down. Is, uh, I do feel like I am like a Dell computer. Lepardi. <laughs> it's L-P-I-E-R-A-L-D-I. Lepardi. Yeah, you sound like when Google Maps is struggling <laughs> to pronounce a word. <laughs> I don't know. Lepardi. Thank you so much. And uh, Alana. Marisha uh, Corson or Maria Corson, James Gilmore, Julia Porter, uh, Alexis Ashbach, Jared Cram, and Michael McHaley. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves. Brandon Waltrip, Katie Johnson, Catherine Ferris, Kaylin Johnson, Luana Marychurch, Joss Bosarge, William Coog, Leah Magan, Carissa Aids. But that's like, it's like Eads. It's not like big old AIDS. That's good. <laughs> Very good, Edward. <laughs> Amos Dreisbach, Michael Vogel, Liz, Amber Kushnerov, Betsy Swanson, Eamon Kelly, Zvilas Cedras, Aaron DeFeo, Jessica Nicka, Sarah Rooney, Kyle Baxter, Nancy, Gary Sursico. No, wait, it's Gary Sirico. Sean Matthews. Alicia Thompson, Katie Wood, Alexis Cross. He placed him on the cross. Samantha Sulfur. Yeah, I, I can't believe and there's I bet a lot you of people don't out smell like that, sulfur. I bet there's a lot of people out there that like, you know, I can't believe there's a lot of people that like put so much stock in like fantasy, you know, because that's all the Bible is. It's really just it's fantasy. It's just a fairy tale. <laughs> it's fantasy. Taylor F. I bet that stands for fart. <laughs> I got your ass. Nathaniel Von Klumpenberg. Jennifer Cox. Joe Zapata, Amanda Lee, Stephanie, Hannah West, Alexa Nealon, Tony Kirkland, Alana Entwistle, Cassie Wanberg, Christian Chianfioni, Lauren Vogt, Emily Weiss, Ghost in the Burbs, Jane McTaggart, Rachel Chaigaro, Joseph Torta, and finally Stacey Mengel, Happy Happy days to you, and I'm glad they didn't add the E to that, because then you would be a war criminal, Stacey Mengel. Oh, <laughs> good point. I got Kaylee Hutchins, Emma Warner, Ryan Estlenbaum, Hannah Yester, Frederick Heron, Jason Balbuena, Scott Lemming, or Eaming, Alex Bedner, uh, Erica Baranski, Christopher Remyan, Remijan, uh, Travis Steinbach, Lizzie Rasmussen, Stina Ternulo, or Tunu- T- Ternulo, mm. Katie Lewis, Amy, Alexander Krzga, Krzga, Abby Neumeyer, Roxy Zager, Cassie Buffat, Courtney Lang, Chelsea Gill, Christopher Spaulding, Shannon Robles, LaDonna Wood, Don Sorum, Clem Fandango! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah. Grayson Wheeler, Jesse Snodden, Sam Moore, George Ozunian, Taylor Kramer, Renee Reed, Madeline Felsch, John Race, Liz and Ben, oh. Oh. Darthus, Richard Bacon, Dexter Calderbank, Elizabeth Anders, Melissa Colson, Kellyanne, 
and Bill Hollister. All right. Thank you so very much, each and every one of you, for uh, donating to our Patreon. Uh, if uh, you want to give to us, uh, patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left is the place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, absolutely, as always, Helgeen, everyone. You're the souls that keep us going, like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> he needed souls th- to live. Yeah, your Oregon energy allows us to move forward, and your and your money helps us to eat a lot of food. <laughs> By the way, three <laughs> weeks off of Papa John's. No shit. Three wow. weeks off. So WrestleMania was your last Papa WrestleMania John's? WrestleMania was the last Papa John's. They've wow. been advertising a lot at me. Uh-huh. I think they're missing me. Uh-huh. I get about three emails a day. <laughs> but uh, I'm not. You're getting those like. <laughs> I get a lot of emails from Papa John's, and they're all they're offering me deals. It's like what Big Tobacco did. We miss you, Ben. They want to sell me a Marlboro jacket, <laughs> but it's just like a, a Papa John's one. It's like when we're traveling a lot, I'll get a random message from Seamless being like, don't you want to order something? <laughs> yeah, it's been so long, Jeez. friend. Hail yourselves, uh, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gay. Hail me. Thank you. Good night. 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 Good night.